On this week's show, we're going to talk to Sarah Flora of Flora Brewing. Sarah's been brewing for quite some time, and if you've been anywhere on any type of homebrewing social media, chances are you've seen Sarah out there in the wild. Whether it be Instagram or on YouTube, she's out there pushing the hobby. So this week, we're going to talk about how she got into homebrewing and some of the ways that she looks at brewing. And we're also going to get a little insight into what's coming up in her future. And we're going to talk about all that this week on Homebrewing DIY. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Sarah Flora of Flora Brewing. Sarah is a social media phenomenon when it comes to the homebrewing hobby. She's all over the place. And chances are, if you've been on any type of homebrewing social media, you've seen Sarah pushing the hobby. So we're going to sit down and talk to her this week, and we're going to talk about her experience with brewing and what's in her future. So stick around and listen to the interview. It's going to be a really good show. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. You can give it any amount. Your support's going to help this show come to you week after week. Another way to support the show is by using coffee. That's coffee.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. If you head on over there, that is going to support the show as well, but it's one-time support versus monthly, and you can kind of pick your poison if you want to support the show financially. Another way to support the show is by writing us a review. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews help others find the show and I love the feedback. If you leave us a review, chances are we'll read it on the air as well. The last way to support the show is head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and use our sponsor banners. It's Christmas time, and if you're going to buy something special for a homebrewer that you know, or maybe buy something for yourself because there's a good deal out there, use our sponsor links. Your prices are going to stay the same, but then we're going to get supported by those sponsors. So head over there and check out our sponsor banners. I guess the only announcement I have this week is get your homebrew hacks in this week so that we can uh, record that show. I, I'm going to say, you're, if you're listening to this show, it's it's going to be a Thursday. And if we could have all of our homebrew hacks in by Sunday, that'll give Evan and I some time to get the show recorded. That will be our last week of the show the last week of december and that is our annual homebrew hack show where we go through all your tips and tricks cool hacks that shorten your brew day or help with a certain aspect of your homebrewing we want to know them all and we're going to read those on the air it's a fun show and definitely one of our more popular episodes of the year so check that out at the end of the year or submit your tip or trick so that we can read it on the air 
next week is also going to be a pretty cool show where we're going to talk, we're going to do our first episode of the Iron Beer competition is what I'm calling it at this point. And essentially, we are going to do a kind of competition show where we're going to have a home brewer send in one of their beers. We're going to taste it against a couple of commercial examples of that style. And we're going to do it blind with some BJCP certified judges and myself. I'm not certified, but and we'll say my vote doesn't really count. Well, I don't know. We'll see when we get into the show. But that being said, we're going to do some beer tasting and we'll see if the homebrewed example can hold up to the commercial example. I have a feeling we're going to be very, very surprised in, in this entire experience. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes next week. That will be our first episode where we're going to do our iron beer competition. So make sure you check out that episode. And other than that, let's just jump into this week's episode where we're going to talk to Sarah Flora about Flora Brewing. I'd like to welcome Sarah Flora to the show. She's a social media influencer and YouTuber, and she goes under the handle Flora Brewing. Uh, Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to have you. I've been following you for a really long time, and it's kind of one of those things where I'm really excited to have you on the show. Let's talk about your history and how you started brewing and how you got into it. Well... You know, it all started when I bought my husband a homebrew kit and he didn't take to it. So I did because I can't just let something sit in my apartment. And I just immediately fell in love with it. I've always been a cuck. So it just kind of really worked with like what I was doing already. And I work in the art world. So I really love the creativity that you can bring into beer. And like you can do a lot with food, but like I, th- I think there's something about like waiting and seeing what you're going to get that really makes it a little bit, I guess, more dicey in a way. Like you don't, you're going to put a bunch of stuff together. You have no idea what it, how it's going to turn out for like a month and then you drink it and you either fail or succeed or somewhere in between. And yeah, it's, it's like making a painting. It takes a long time, but it's in the end, it's like kind of more of an expression than just like, you know, throwing some pasta in a pot and making a sauce. <laughs> and, and did you start off doing extract or all grain? How, 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 how did you start when you got that kit? What, what did it look like? Yeah, it was a extract pale ale kit. My, the first kit I got was by Craft a Brew. I got their like catalyst system thing and it came with a pale ale kit and yeah, it was not good. I I did not do a good job. My husband's birthday is in July, so I brewed it in the middle of a California summer. So it probably got to be around 90 degrees <laughs> during fermentation. And you don't know what you're doing at that point. So it's like, I didn't know I was going to make crap beer because like I needed to keep it between 68 and 72, you know? <laughs> you're like, you're like, hey, you know what? Uh, it's room temperature, wherever it is. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> And it's like, it was probably in like the spare bedroom with like no AC, like getting real hot. <laughs> Should have used a Kvike strain. <laughs> <laughs> it, totally true. And, and and you're are you're brewing electric now, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, have been using a claw hammer electric system for a few years now, and I really like it, but I am going to get the 240-volt 20-gallon system hopefully soon. So I'm really excited to like do split batches and do different dry hopping or different fruiting and just kind of be able to do more like experimental stuff with that. That Well, and that's, that's going to actually bring me a bit into some of the content that you're producing, right? You're, you, when I, when I first started following you, you were heavily on Instagram. You've now moved to YouTube. I love your videos. I specifically love your tasting videos with Jenny. They're great. It's like watching two friends have a conversation about this beer you've made or a, a style of beer. And it's, I, it's fun and refreshing and I, I love it. Don't ever get rid of those. Those are great. If I were to watch your YouTube channel, what, what kind of stuff are you doing? So I'm trying to like make it educational. I do full brew day videos. I basically do series from developing the recipe, brewing the beer to reviewing it with Jenny, who is my downstairs neighbor. So I'm trying to move, but I'm like, you're going to have to just come stay at my house. Like every time we review the beers, cause I'll just like stack them up and we can just do a long day. <laughs> so I do that. I do equipment. I do a lot of, and I'm trying to do more like how to put together specific equipment because that's what I'm always looking for at, in YouTube. Like Honestly, a lot of the equipment reviews that I do, I'm Googling YouTube videos on how to put them together, and then I'm putting them together on camera, which it's like, there's still some hiccups that a lot of people don't get, because I feel like a lot of people don't do the full, like, setup with the bloopers and, like, everything that's going wrong when you're trying to set up new equipment, and a lot of homebrew equipment just comes with, like, really bad instructions, I found so really I mean I'm yeah it's like <laughs> awful I'm not like super engine engineering inclined person or plumbing inclined person so like I'm just looking at all these parts and I'm like I think there's like probably 20 parts that I don't need in this system <laughs> I like I don't know where anything goes <laughs> that's one thing I have noticed you, you do like a planning video. Let's say you're going to brew a style of beer. You do a planning video of how, what, and you talk about what's going through your mind of why you're planning this beer. You get into the recipe and the details. You then actually do a brew day. And sometimes these videos are long. You have 45 minute long brew day videos and don't get me wrong. I, I like that because it is in depth and it's very detailed. I was looking today, I was trying to research up so we, we can talk about some things. And you had a beginner video today and it was a beginner brew day and it was a full on brew day. And it, to me, that's the content that if I'm learning how to homebrew, I really want and I need that kind of detail, right? Yeah, it's almost like more of a lecture. I did a whole beginning series of like setting up your equipment, brewing your first batch, Obviously, I didn't do a recipe because I did a kit. Like, I did a just an extract American ale kit. And then I did a bottling video. And I treated that more as, like, school than anything. That's the longest video I've ever made. I usually cut down things to, like, significantly less than 30 minutes. I try to keep them around 20, like-ish. But, yeah, it's just, like, I, I felt like I would be doing the service if I cut more than I did out. So, I'm like... You know, if you got an hour to kill and you really want to know, like, exactly what I'm doing, that was, like, 
trying to explain everything that I think, like, I would have wanted to know when I was starting homebrewing. So, yeah, it just ended up, I, when I, like, finished that video, cutting it all down, I was like, I just made a 45 minute long video and it took me weeks to edit. <laughs> I, I've done a beginner series on the podcast side, right? And I, I've done from your first extract kit all the way to going to a brew in a bag. So the idea is start at mm-hmm. extract and the things you need to know until you go all grain. And it w- was something where I had to sit down and think to myself, like, what are the things that I are common to me that I don't think about because I, I'm experienced and they're just things you do and you don't really explain them, right? And you have to yeah. sp- go through that entire process and think through those like little details because when you're brand new and when I was brand new and I'm sure when you were brand new, these were the things I wanted and you just didn't get from a YouTube video. A YouTube video, you got five minutes and, and it would always skip like five steps, right? Yeah. I'm trying to explain like the terminology, what everything means, because like if you're trying to read instruction manual and you hear mash, like what does that mean? What does steep grains mean? That doesn't mean anything to me if I don't, if I'm not like in the brewing world, really. And we actually, Jenny and I did a video where she brewed her first brew in a bag batch. So I was just there to like tell her the steps and I didn't touch like anything. So that's going to come out soon. And I'm really excited and I hope people gather a lot from it because it is much different when you actually have someone there to teach versus just like, you know, teaching to a screen. (laughs) I I agree. But that's also like when you do your tasting videos with Jenny, that's kind of the thing I like about it, right? I am in a homebrewing world where I talk to a lot of homebrewers. Like right now, you and I are pretty experienced homebrewers talking to one another. But when I talk to somebody who's brand new to homebrewing, and and Jenny's a good example of that, or even new to tasting beer, she asks the kind of questions that somebody who's just starting the hobby or just getting into it asks. And I love those questions to me because it brings me back to that moment when I was like, hey, I remember when I used to ask these kinds of questions. And so uh, I think that that is actually one of the fun things about your videos is that it's it's that kind of it's educational in a way that isn't explaining it down to you it's just mm-hmm. if that makes any sense you're you're not talking down to anyone it's very very it, it, it's it's almost like you you don't get dogmatic you don't talk about like this is the way we do it just because this is how we do it that's always been something for me when when i was learning i was always like i want to know why that's just part of it but yeah that that those are some of the things that i get from your videos and and i i really really like them i always like to think that like i'm explaining my videos the way i would if someone i was trying to teach was there even though they typically aren't my favorite thing in the world to do is to teach someone to homebrew like from start to finish even if they're just like a homebrewer who hasn't brewed in a while and like i want to show them some new like systems and stuff like my neighbor up in washington hadn't brewed for five years up until like i brought i i drove with just bins of grain and hops and we were i was just like we're using your system we're gonna brew all covid that's what we're doing 
Like, you're working from home, I'm working from home, we're just gonna brew constantly, and we made some of the best beers I've ever made up there. And yeah, I I have buddies who just text me who just started getting into it during COVID and are like, hey, what does this mean? What does this mean? Like, should I use these hops or these hops? Like, should I get this fermenter or this fermenter? And it's like, they all want, want the spike fermenters. Spike is like blowing up. Everyone I've talked to is obsessed with spike when they're starting homebrewing. You know, it's, I, I gotta admit the 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 kind of those like brew bucket style fermenters with the conicals and the legs. I, people are super into them. I I ferment in kegs. I'm old school. I just I have this whole thing in my mind that like the cheapest fermenter in the world is a keg, and I just and I have lots of them, and they just are easy. So that that's why I fermented them. But it, it's kind yeah. of I I would like one. <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah, I but, know. But I would I explain it. One of the things I explain to people, though, is that when you get into a larger fermenter, and because I do a lot of DIY projects and I have a chest freezer I ferment in, I think to myself, okay, I've now got a 14-gallon fermenter. How am I going to get that from my kettle into the actual, into the chest freezer, and how am I going to get it out? Yeah, kegs. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> I I got a glycol chiller, and that's like saving my life now. It's it's still 80 degrees up in Los Angeles. So you can't even homebrew here reasonably without AC at this point. So the glycol is really the ticket for me. But yeah, chest freezer would have worked. But I think I would have blown out all my circuits in my little apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the cool down, right? So like, for example, your groundwater doesn't get super cold in LA, especially in the summer. And it, it, you're you have to recycle it with ice blocks to try to get your cool down it is that is something that and, and having a glycol chiller would just crush that because yeah. you have refrigerated I've started doing no chill it. so i've been chilling it down to about 100 degrees and then throwing a glycol jacket on it or transferring it into my delta fermenter that's got a glycol coil in it i really like that thing and yeah they've all turned out wonderful yeah, I, I've personally never done a no chill, and I've wanted to, and and I've looked at doing like the what they call the Australian method of no chill, where you take the the it's like the the I call them the blue water jug if, if you know what I'm talking about. Where they take the blue lot yeah, water jug, get like as much air out of it as Jerry it something. Yep, Jerry jugs like or something Jer- like that. Yeah. yeah, Jerry cans, yeah. Jerry cans, Jerry can. Yeah, and they take. Jerry can. And then they take those and they push all the air out and then they put the cap on it and just leave it overnight. Yeah, I just I, I, I have a thing in my head and this is just me personally. I want to walk away and be done with my brew day. And that's why I'm all, like I want to like have my yeast pitched and it's ready to go because then I'm in the I'm in the watching phase. And there that's a whole phase for me. Right. I don't sleep at night. And I have a I have a tilt hydrometer, and so I like wake up in the middle of the night, look at my tilt. Has it started yet? Has it started yet? Yeah, you're getting your <laughs> yeah, bubbles per I'm minute bad. reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you have a Play-Doh? I did. Um, mine like kept expanding inside, so I had a couple replacements. I think I'm gonna try mine again because they like. The thing with the Play-Dohs is you have to pull them out after every batch. And I was just going one batch to one batch to one batch to one batch. Like literally every week I was brewing. So 
I only had one and I was just like cycling it really quickly and it just can't sit in the water for that long. So you kind of have to like let it air out and I'm just not patient. (laughs) Yeah, the tilt's cool. I've had the tilt for a couple of years and first of all, the thing I love about it is I've had to replace the battery once in three years. And so it's like, there's no charging, there's no nothing. Yeah. I I think at the rate that you brew, because you definitely brew way more than I do. And it's something where I think you would probably have to change it once every year or two, but still it it lasts forever. And that's the thing that makes it cool. It's it, it, the batteries just last forever in those things. Yeah, that's so, yeah, I'm going to put that on my list. Let's talk a bit about some DIY projects that you've had to do. So we're a DIY, we're a DIY show, and, and you're obviously an equipment head. You you you're you're about the gear, and and I love it. I love it. I, I'm a I'm a gearhead too. So what what are some some kind of DIY projects that you've done for home brewing? Actually, back like you know in the before times when we could have festivals, still I am a part of uh, the SoCal Service Arrows Homebrew Club, and they do festivals like a couple times a year. So we were doing homebrew festivals, and I made this was the first time I ever like genuinely used a saw. I I made myself a jockey box cover and it like had hinges and stuff and like folded down so I could fit in my car with my jockey box on top. And it was like, I have, I've made two versions now and one's still in my garage and it's like in perfect condition. I'm super stoked on it with like the whole, I made vinyl decals and everything. But when I was in Washington over the summer, I, maybe last summer, I went to Goodwill and I found this book from the 90s of how to build all this homebrew equipment and like that's I have I okay so I'm trying to like move from this tiny apartment so I actually have like outdoor space so I can build things more than anything because like I I literally have a courtyard in the backyard that's like asphalt and terrible with no power so I'm like if I'm gonna be using power tools I need some power <laughs> So I have plans to like build myself a mash tun. I want to learn how to like actually do a traditional mash kind of system because I've only ever done brew in a bag. And there's just tons like I want to build a keezer. I want to like all there's this book is like from before you there was like serious commercially available equipment so it's just full of things that you would never even think about making because they're just so readily available but like you know you can make a jockey box by yourself and I thought about making one but it's just like by the time you get all the supplies it's just as expensive as buying one so I'm like uh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally but but there there are certain things that I think are are value when it comes to it like for example I have an affiliate agreement with Kegco, right? They are $2,000 kegerators with like the little towers. And it, 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 don't get me wrong. They are nice as hell. Like you go look at them. You're like, man, this is something I'm going to put in my modern kitchen. It's beautiful. It is a piece of furniture. But I have a keezer, right? And I have a keezer because it was at the time the way I could explain to my wife that I wanted to spend 400 bucks on a kegerator and I could maximize (laughs) that for the amount of beer I wanted to drink. Right. And it, it, but it was a fun project that, that got me into so many DIY projects and, and I'm excited to see, because obviously as you do this, you're going to, you're going to show it to everyone as you're doing it. I'm sure 
it, it's gonna be so cool to see you like building a keezer get building a mash ton i i have a friend that's actually made a mash ton where he took a old keg and clad it in oak and it's one of the most beautiful mash tons i've ever seen that's i'll send amazing. you a photo of it yeah and, <laughs> I love it. and it's like it's like it's an oak clad mash ton where he built a because he does decoction mashing he actually built a mash stirrer in it so that he doesn't have to move it to a separate pot his decoction he can keep it stirring it's beautiful it's beautiful That's... but uh that was a diy project right and so old school 90s brewer though right and that's the kind of stuff yeah. you see from those old school brewers and it's super super cool one of the yeah. things that you talked about today that you're into that i'm super into is you're kind of going down the ancient brewing thing right now and i am super duper into historic brewing it's kind of a a passion project of mine. I've done a few shows on it. I've had uh, Rob DeSall on the show where he he's wrote the book, The Natural History of Beer. I've had, if, if you've written a book about beer history, chances are I've talked to you and I've had you on this show. I am way into it. <laughs> and you were talking about, I was watching one of your videos today and you were talking about beers from Mesopotamia and ancient Egyptian beers and, and the beers that were kind of not really what we would call beer today. Probably didn't have hops in it. It was probably a mix of like grain and wine and whatever was fermentable. They all drank it from the same vessel from a straw. It was probably pretty disgusting, and probably <laughs> yeah. especially 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 in a COVID world. But the idea is that <laughs> what 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 kind of parts of of historical brewing are are you really into and 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 why? Honestly, I'm just. I'm a huge history buff, and I just love the stories behind everything more than I, I'm like a huge true crime nerd. Like that's my thing. Like other than brewing, <laughs> and I like I realize that the reason I like it is because I like the stories and I like the historical context that things are placed in. So let's do a yeah. quick. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about more history of beer. So give me one second. We'll come right back. Now we're back. Thank you. So let's let's dive back into some history. So we were talking about ancient beers. We were talking about Egyptians and, and the Mesopotamians. And you were telling me kind of what was it that really is getting you going with it. So why, why would you, like, what is it you say fascinates you most about hi the history of beer? I, I think it's mostly the stories behind it. So I have this book called Strange Ales, and it's all about, like, weird stories about, like, British beer culture, like people flying in beers on the bottoms of planes into World War II, into Normandy, and, you know, the whole... They had a massive barrel of beer that just, like, drowned 17 people. And it's just, like... Beer has been around since the dawn of our civilization. So the odds that you're going to find a crazy story within it is like so likely. And there's thousands of them. There's gods named after beer who support beer and brought beer to the world or whatever. The Egyptian god of death, Osiris, is the god of beer. Like who would have thought that? It's like the most badass god to bring beer to the world it's like okay you're god of death and you're the god of beer all right that's pretty cool if you drink enough <laughs> beer you could feel like death i mean <laughs> yeah. 
but but yeah, yeah and, the, and 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 there's alcohol in it so the thing is is that there's probably going to be a pretty crazy story to go with that right <laughs> yeah seriously and yeah and if you think about it like like at least i did in high school i read the epic of gilgamesh in high school for literature class or whatever and there's an entire like storyline dedicated to beer in that book about like there's a story about how the main character is taught how to drink beer by this person in the book and it's like okay well we were all reading this and reading ancient literature in high school at least i was and like there was a running theme of alcohol throughout it and it's just carried through our culture for so long and i read a quote the other day that after like our basic needs for survival and rudimentary laws we always as humans try to find an intoxicant of some sort so if that's the law of what humans are then it just makes sense that we would be fascinated by beer because it's like almost in our blood. Well, and one of the cool things is that, and I know if you're listening to this show, go back and listen to my natural history of beer episode. It's super cool. And Rob DeSaul actually in that episode, we had an entire conversation about physically humans have the ability to process alcohol. Whereas, and he gets into this, in the book, very detailed, and it's a great book. And he also talks about the fact that there are a lot of other primates out there, because in the end, we are primates, that do not actually have the ability to process alcohol. If they actually drink alcohol, it's very toxic to them. And so not only in all of humanity is it something where the history is, beer is throughout our entire history and alcohol is, but it's also something that our bodies are actually built to be able to process. Whereas, like for example, you never feed your dog apple, a- alcohol because it is actually toxic to a dog. Not saying that we are. The point I'm trying to say is it we can actually process it, and that is also part of that rich history. And and I think that when you look at we get into prehistory, we don't understand what was before. Let's say ten thousand years. You know. There was no written anything. And so we were obviously drinking some sort of alcoholic beverage probably 40, 50, 60, 100,000 years into the past because our bodies are actually made to do it. Don't get me wrong. Too much of it is really toxic for you and you can obviously die from alcohol. It's, you want to be safe. But the idea is that we can actually do it and do it in a safe manner in comparison to other animals. And and that was something where I was like... it. it it is something that I think is part of the human culture and part of the human culture for it, it. It is something that is part of humanity as and is part of being human in general. So yeah. Beer. Yeah. That's and I, I, like I mean, <laughs> yeah. And you know, we're social creatures. And if you think about what alcohol does, it makes us even more social. So, I mean, who knows if it was, it really does something that we like biologically, somehow the people who were able to drink alcohol and not die because we became more social so we became more tight-knit so we created stronger social bonds and then were protected in the dicey cave manor or whatever who knows why but it is crazy to think that it you know we are one of the species who who can and still do 
drink alcohol and make it and are obsessed with it. And <laughs> So we'll get back to your homebrewing now because one of the things <laughs> I had, the sh- I actually had Jen McPoland on the show last year uh, before the COVID hit. And we talked about the Shebrew Festival, and you were in there, and you meddled in that festival. Let, let's I talk did. a bit about some of the beers. Yes, and 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 for those of you who have not listened to that episode, it, it is a woman-only brewing competition. It is probably one of the biggest in the country, so to meddle in this is a big deal. I, I think you took a, a silver in that competition. Is that right? I got a silver and a bronze. I actually looked at my medals before because I knew you were going to ask me about it. And I was like, shit, I don't know. What <laughs> I don't know what I got. <laughs> and, 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 and what what beers did you make? What, 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 what were they? So my silver was for my cherry saison. That's like, that's my basically flagship beer at this point. It is the beer that I've never screwed up, first of all. And it's super easy to make. It's a Saison, so you can brew it in hot temperatures. I, I'm i going to do a video on it here soon because I didn't realize that I hadn't more than anything um, because I've just been making it forever. And it's so good. It's really high alcohol. It's like usually around 8%. And it is pretty fruit punchy. It is going to put you on your ass without you realizing it for sure. But it's just... It's delightful. Let, let's talk a bit about that cherry saison. Saison's one of my favorite styles out there. Obviously, it's a, a yeast-driven beer, and 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 you said it's it's kind of fruit punchy. Is is, is it more yeast-driven? Is it more fruit-driven? What, what what would you say when you when you have it? I would say it's an even combination. So you definitely get some of the cherry juice. It's a pink color, first of all, and. Uh, you know, you get the fruitiness from the Saison, but I don't like a non-fruited Saison personally. It's not my jam. Uh, a lot of times I feel like they taste like kind of like sage, and I just don't like sage. They totally <laughs> do taste like sage. That that That's a good it's, call out, actually. I can, I can pick it out like it's no one's business. Someone will hand me a Saison and like, it tastes like sage, and I'll like it. <laughs> I have a bunch <laughs> that we made. <laughs> and I always use the same saison. I always use the White Labs French saison yeast, and uh, love that yeast. Yeah, it's it's a beast. It'll ferment it's down eight percent in like four days. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, you, it'll also get you down like way low. It, like when like for example, you know saison, you want to be dry. You're gonna ferment. You're gonna mash it in the high one forties maybe the low 150s i do all mine like around 147 and then at least for me when i've used the french saison yeast i've gotten down to like 1.002 i've actually had oh, yeah i've had a man yeah, i think i've gotten low. down to like 0.9999 yeah yeah just the, the i mean yeah they get wine like they're low. crazy it's crazy yeah and it's yeah. dangerous because you're like oh i'm not putting that much grain in here it'll be fine and then you end up with an eight and a half percent beer and you're like okay <laughs> yeah yeah and you're like oh this is only 1060 it'll be six percent and then boom eight <laughs> yep it's kind of crazy every time with that yep, saison that, that saison's dangerous yeah, yeah french saison and, and to me that the the yeast yeah you know, obviously, you talk about that it does have a stage flavor. I get a lot of lemon from that one. It's a, it's got, it's got a very citrusy flavor to it as well. Gets super dry, but it is what it is one of my favorite saison yeasts. I my my actual favorite favorite one, 
and if we're going to talk about Saison yeast a bit, is actually the bootleg biology Saison Parfait is hands down my favorite one. I haven't used any bootleg. I need to like get some. I, you know, I've heard so much, so many great things about them that I'm like, oh, it's just when I buy yeast, I buy it like in bulk and just leave it in my refrigerator, which I shouldn't do, but I don't know. My, my, I don't know what I do, but my yeast always ferments down really far. I think my refractometer might be off, but it all tastes really dry too. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on here. Really? <laughs> Who knows? It, the beer tastes yeah, good. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> that is all that matters. I guess we're kind of running up on time. So I, I want to thank you, Sarah, for coming on Homebrewing DIY. I, I'm super excited to share this show with all of my listeners. But the only thing, I think the last question I would have for you is, is what's in your future? What are, what are, you, what are you thinking of? You know, what, what, what does the next year look like for you? Um, so I'm starting a podcast in January. It's going to be called, and this is like the first time I've announced this name. Uh, it's going to be okay. Brewing After Hours with Sarah Flora. And eventually I want to open a brewery, but, you know, COVID's kind of putting a damper on those plans until, you know, we can actually open a brewery safely. So I'm like, eh. I'm going to just push that off, keep doing content for people who are brewing at home, trying to keep themselves sane. <laughs> that I, That's what that I'm is doing. really what that is what it is, isn't it? It's, it's let's just keep it sane. I I will say that the the only thing that has been a good thing from COVID is that it has brought a lot more people to the homebrewing hobby. I think that specifically last spring when people were sitting around going, Hey, I can make sourdough bread and I could brew beer. Like those were the things that were happening. It's just hundred percent. It, Yeah. But, but on the other side of it is I got to give it to the guys and girls who have made, that have opened breweries in 2020 and, and are doing it and surviving. It's, it, you know, buy, buy local, buy some beer. If you want that, if yeah. you want your, the brewery down the street, buy some. Now's the yeah, time. Yeah, if you're in LA, go get your takeout cans because we're in lockdown again. Yeah, we uh, are too in Colorado. So same same deal. Well, now the, let, let's get out of the let's get out of the downer and let's uh, <laughs> let's just say thank you so much for coming on Homebrewing DIY. I'm looking so forward to listening to your podcast, and I I will make sure that I subscribe when it comes out. So if you're listening to this and <laughs> you see you. it hit your podcast network, make sure that you subscribe. And uh, I will link to your YouTube channel. I will link to your Instagram. And I will, you, you don't do Twitter or anything else, right? Do you have all that? We have a Twitter. It's just Flora Brewing. Most things are Flora Brewing except the Instagram. The Instagram's Flora underscore Brewing. But everything else awesome. is just Flora Brewing. <laughs> Great. Well, I'll make sure we link to all of that. So if, if you want to check out Sarah and all of the cool beers that she's making and her YouTube channel, you, you have to. And yeah, well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. like to thank Sarah for taking the time to come on this week's show. And like I said, at the end of the episode, head on over to our show notes and you can find her Instagram, YouTube, 
And hopefully when she comes out with her new podcast, if you can find it, make sure you like and subscribe that as well. You can also find us on social media. You can head over to Homebrewing DIY, all one word. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're even on TikTok, though I haven't been posting there much, but you can follow us there as well. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.